Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I am Aubrey, one of your hosts. And I'm Davey. And we are so excited to have you joining us today because we have an incredible conversation with none other than Jackie Hill Perry. Jackie Hill Perry. Can I interrupt you one second, Davey? Because I do. feel like I want to be a person with three, <laughs> with three, like Chad Michael Murray, Jackie Hill Perry. Like, we have three names. You You're legit. You You've landed. Either three names or one. Right. Yes. Solid, you supersede solid all of the rest of us that have only two names. But yes. if you got to have one name or three names. And you, yeah, absolutely. No, Jackie Hill Perry is just and you can't even say like uh, you can't say it other than Jackie Hill Perry. You can't you can't say Jackie. You can't say, oh, Jackie or Jackie Hill or Jackie Perry. <laughs> you say Jackie Hill Perry. She's an author, yep. a poet, a Bible teacher, a hip hop artist who um, uh, she's released albums such as Crescendo, The Art of Joy as well as some incredible books. Um, I think the one most notable that you guys would probably recognize is Gay Girl, Good God. And aside from just an incredible um, recording artist career, she has an incredible story. Mm-hmm. And I think the Lord is really using that story right now to catapult her into spaces where she can bring healing to so many people. And I'm excited for you guys to hear her story today. It is marvelous and wonderful. We dig into some really deep, difficult matters in this story. And so, yeah, man, she, mm. she, I mean, I, I also think, and we'll talk about this more when we return, but I, I like, I feel like Jackie Hill Perry was created for such a time as this because yeah. there's there, you know, she's controversial to people, but yeah. there's such a, a wild and I would say unbiblical worldly conversation about sexuality and gender yeah. identity right now. And I feel people's pain. So I don't want to say that in a way that like pushes people right. away. I right. understand there is deep, deep pain and longing Absolutely, there. Yeah. What I appreciate about Jackie Hill Perry is she's look, look, I'm gay. I'm same sex attracted. Yeah. She is like, uh, she is not for um, uh, some of the things the church have done in the past, which is try to like make you not gay. Right. She's like, no, I, this is who I am. But yeah. I believe that the love of Jesus and, and being a, a person of God, a Christ-like person of God is the, is the, the most holy, yeah. the best way I can live. I'm going to live to please and honor God. And so therefore, even though she embraces, like I am same sex attracted, right. Right. I am choosing a life of holiness mm. with my husband and our kids. And we're choosing to obey God no matter what. And I think there's so much to unravel with her, her yeah. message. Like just even about the nature of love, the nature of marriage, the nature of holiness, the nature yeah. of choosing Jesus over our own <sighs> desire. So I, right. I just, I appreciate her like, kind of just being someone yeah. of, of strength and truth in a world oh, that often isn't. Absolutely. That's yeah. so great. That's so great. Yeah. Well, if this episode ministers to you, or if any of our episodes have ministered to you, we'd love mm-hmm. to invite you to rate and review the Nothing Is Wasted podcast on Apple Podcasts. Um, it, it encourages us, and it also helps this podcast to grow in the charts, which gives it more exposure so more people can hear these wonderful stories of hope and healing. And so make sure you share this episode with somebody. Um, this is a definitely a very shareable episode, I know. And so we would love to um, to hear your feedback from everything. Why don't we go ahead and lean in and listen to this conversation that I have with Jackie Hill Perry. Well, Jackie Hill Perry, it's so great to have you on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Man, we've been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time, and um, I, I, you know, I love your story. I love what you've done, um, you know, and for the kingdom out of your story and the the pain that you've walked through, the suffering that you walked through. But not only that, just the the voice, the rich voice that you have for the kingdom of God. And so I'm excited for our community to hear from you. And I think there's going to be several, um, you know, n- nuances that you're bringing to mm. the conversation that we haven't talked about before, and you're going to bring a fresh perspective. So thanks so much for um, spending some time with us. It's going to be great. No problem. I'm excited, I think. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny, you know, you say that, and I think about that all the time. I'm like, I'm really excited to have this conversation, but we're going to talk about pain. 
Right. Like, how that's, exciting that, That's what kind of makes it a little complex. <laughs> you know? uh, I get excited about knowing that people are receiving healing mm. as they listen to these conversations. Um, and I know your story is definitely one of those that you've experienced as well as you're helping so many other people. Why don't you tell us a little bit about about yourself? If people aren't familiar with Jackie Hill Perry, tell us a little bit about yourself right now, and then we'll kind of stretch back into your story and hear a little bit of it. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm Jackie. I live in Atlanta with my husband of almost eight years. Uh, We have four children. My oldest is seven. My youngest is seven weeks or eight weeks. Mm. Um, So we have a very loud house. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Outside of that, I write, I speak, I teach. And all things words is something that Mm. I enjoy and I've just been empowered to, to do. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you know, you have a a profound story about how God really became real to you Hmm. and how you came to faith in Christ. Um, I wonder if you just share a a bit of that as we, as we kick off our conversation. Yeah. The quick version. Well, yeah, maybe the quick version and then we can dive into like (laughs) some of those. We'll find some rabbit trails. I'm sure I've got some questions coming out of it. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I was born to uh, born in St. Louis to a single mother. I think one of the interesting parts of my story is how it begins, which is that when my mother found out she was pregnant with me, her initial thought was to get an abortion. Um, but mm. my uh, her best friend uh, told her, you know, and then they weren't Christians. And so it's not like she had to obey God in this. Uh, but her best friend said, right. how do you know that the, the that God didn't want you to have this baby this way? Meaning with this man that you don't want to have a baby with, et cetera, et cetera. And my mother mm. said her mind instantly changed. And so she decided to keep me. And so I think already wow. it's kind of like really interesting. Yeah. Um, so I was born to her. Yeah. Uh, my dad, uh, he did not love me as well as my mother did. He was really inconsistent in my life. Uh, around six or seven, I was also... Uh, sexually abused on top of being introduced to pornography. And so I have this sexual abuse mixed with, you know, watching these sexual deviant videos and and things all the time. So I just had a lot of confusion about who I was and what I was supposed to, you know, do and things like that. Uh, Mixed with gender confusion, feeling like I was supposed to be a boy, mixed with same-sex attraction. And so I was a really um, complicated child, as we all are. Um, So I was raised also in the black church where, you know, I'm hearing stories about Jesus, seeing people live holy, but feeling like none of those things have anything to do with me. You know, Mm. Um, I I don't know how I'm supposed to live holy with all of this mess inside. Um, Around high school, was when I decided to act out on my sexual desires. And so I pursued lesbianism um, and every other thing, whether that was weed, addiction, drunkenness, theft, uh, autonomy by being, you know, uh, dismissing all forms of authority, et cetera, et cetera, until I was 19, where the Lord um, met me in my room, not physically, uh, but through the Holy Spirit. I came to see and believe that all of my sin would be the death of me, but that God was better than everything that he was calling me to leave him for. And he filled me with his spirit. And 12 years later, I still love him because he still loves me. That's amazing. That's amazing. I'm curious, you know, you, you grew up in church essentially, right? You were, you at least had, you know, you were attending church and had some interaction interface with, with the church. Um, How, you know, I guess it's kind of a twofold question. How, forthright were you about some of your you know gender identity struggles as well as same-sex attraction struggles and if you were really forthright how was that met in the church oh yeah i didn't tell anybody um and 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 i think that was because when i started to i guess notice that i had same-sex desires it was like first or second grade it was really early um but I went to when I went to church, you know, when they did talk about sexuality or homosexuality, it was talked about in such a way that I didn't feel the freedom to be able to express that this is what I'm feeling, you know, or this how is how come because there's all this shame attached yeah. to it. You know, you don't feel the liberty to be able to be honest uh, because, you know, if I am honest, 
then they're going to shame me and not love me and treat me a certain kind of way. And so, yeah, it wasn't, it came out in my behavior when I decided to embrace it. And it was obviously met not with joy. (laughs) But at that point, I also didn't care. Wow. Uh, How, um, you know, to that nature, you know, now that's still a a conversation. It's very much a conversation that is in vogue when it comes to pastors and church leaders. And they're trying to, they're asking those questions, you know, what, what should the church do in terms of this conversation? You have people all over the spectrum, right? You have people who are like, well, we need to combat the issue and other people who are saying, oh, we need to welcome everybody no matter what. And there's a spectrum there. It's not right. a black and white answer. I'm curious as to, especially from your experience, how would you advise the church? Like if you're sitting in, at a conference with pastors and church leaders right now, what can we as the church do, the body of Christ, to help people who are um, are wrestling with, with you know gender identity issues, same-sex attraction? I mean, I'm hearing you say that it wasn't a, a safe environment for you to talk about that. How do we make that a right. safe environment? Yeah, I, th- I think what we need is informed uh, compassion. And I say that because compassion will lead you to be empathetic, to be kind, to be just in how you treat people, to be... Uh, self-control, to be wise, like all the, compassion leads you to be like Jesus ultimately. But I say informed compassion because the flesh in the world has all kinds of ways or definitions for how to apply compassion to our same-sex attracted neighbors, right? Uh, Or or, uh, trans neighbors. And so it's like, We need compassion that's rooted in Mm. what the Bible also says, which is if I'm informed and I'm informing myself about what it means to be male and female, I'm informing myself about marriage, I'm informing myself about sexuality and temptation, right? And so that we're not speaking from ignorance and how we love our neighbors. And so I think that's what, I think ultimately that's, it's easier said than done, but it's not as hard or complicated as we make it. We just need to get to know people, listen to their stories, read the Bible, read books, talk to people, pray, yeah, ask God yeah. for wisdom, and he'll answer. I don't know about your experience, but in my experience, I feel like there is a pretty direct thread between compassion and suffering, right? Like when you've hmm. experienced yes. pain, you're more prone to to bring empathy to the table because, you know, for me, after after losing my wife, I was like, man, I see why people struggle with so many things like depression and struggle with so many things like mm. the desire to dive into some kind of addiction to cope with pain. I see why, whereas before I may not have understood that. So I might've probably approached it with a lot more judgmentalism. And yet, mm. you know, it, it seems mm. to me there's like a, that direct thread that as you experience pain, and I guess most importantly, as you let God transform your pain, you tend to have more compassion because there are definitely some people who have a lot more callousness when they experience pain. Can you, can you kind of speak to that in your own experience? Well, first I would, I would, I would say that's, Mm. that's the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus literally became human so that he could help us. Like him being a great high priest is I think the ultimate picture of what it's like to be empathetic. It's to become like Mm. the one that you want to care for. Um, but I think for me, I think what's been really huge in my ministry in particular is that I've, I, I, my ministry, I'm always talking to and with people and that's really colored my ability to care and to know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a whole nother thing when you talk to people that are dealing and walking through infertility or infidelity or, you know, I have friends that have lost their mothers uh, by surprise, you know, and having like, how do you how do you walk with a friend when you there's no words yeah, there? Yeah. Right. And so it's like it, so when someone says, oh, you just got to read the Bible mm-hmm. and get over it. It's like you you couldn't possibly tell me that you've ever been with somebody that's grieving wow. for you to say wow. that. Yep, you know what exactly. I'm saying? Like it's it's a whole exactly. it's a whole nother type of thing. And so, yeah, I just I think being with people is just huge mm. in being able to learn how to love yeah. people. 
That's so good. Yeah. I mean, even if you haven't experienced the exact same thing that they have, right. Your own pain informs, I mean, what is, you know, letter to the Corinthians says, I don't remember it's first or second Corinthians, but talks about how, how God comforts us in specific affliction so that we can comfort others in any affliction, right. With the same comfort that we receive. And so even if we have don't know exactly what they're experiencing, we can still sit with them and walk with them and be Jesus in those situations. Yeah, but I I I wonder. No, this is talk. just me talking. I wonder if also I wonder if a part of that difficulty is it is hard to embrace the comfort of God if you're in denial about your wow. pain, or yep. if when you have some sort of pain you know, you, you go to some intoxicants or, or things that you're not, so you, you're not able to be comforted because you're going to all these other things for comfort. Uh, and so I think there has to be a vulnerability before God to be able to be comforted. So then you could be a conduit of it. And so maybe that's, we'll talk about that a little bit. Cause you're, cause you're, (laughs) what you're saying is we have to lean into the pain, not run away from it. But why, why have you seen that that's so important in your experience? I think one, God will not allow me to to live in a false reality, mm. right? And so, like when you're going through something that's hard, you want so bad to not think about right. it, to not deal with it, to not talk about it because it yeah. hurts, right? But in that place of denial, I'm usually not one. I'm 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 stalling healing. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. <laughs> like I'm stalling comfort. I don't have peace. I'm sad. I'm depressed. And and for me, I don't know about you, I get mean yep. when I'm dealing with these kinds <laughs> yeah. of things. And so I can't even love people well, right? right? And so I think leaning in the leaning into the pain forces me to be humble and to say, "God, I need you." And that is the place that the Holy Spirit meets you. And resurrects you. Now, does that mean that all the pain and all the suffering goes away? No, but I do think that that is a place where you have a little bit of strength yep. to live another yep. day <laughs> and not lose yeah. your dang old mind. That's interesting because I mean, the the most recent book you wrote was Holier Than Thou, right? Is that your, your most recent book? Okay, mm-hmm. so in in that you kind of yes. talk about some of the intersection between holiness and suffering, right? That suffering really, um, mm. it, it, it is imperative for us to find holiness, right? In order for us to become more like Christ, we have to go through suffering, which is exactly what we're talking about right here, right? It's this idea that yeah. the only way that we can be not only comforted by God, but transformed by God, in our pain and healed through this is if we, if we lean into and enter into that suffering, what does Paul say? If we want to share in the resurrection of Christ, we have to share in his suffering, right? Yeah. And, and that's so hard to say because as you've gone through, there are some unimaginable yeah. sufferings that people have to, you know, endure. But I, I think one thing I'm really grateful for in my study of holiness is seeing how God's holiness has a lot to do with God being a living being, but not only a living being, but a transcendent being. So in Exodus, when the Israelites were under the Egyptian oppression, you know, it says that God saw their suffering. He heard their cry. And he said, I'm going to come down. Mm. Like those are, those are words that idols can't speak because idols can't hear. Idols can't see. Idols can't move unless you move them. And so I think the fact that God in the old Testament is aware of his people's suffering and he's going to come and do something. He sends a mediator, Moses. But in the New Testament, God is aware of our suffering and our sin. And he doesn't send a regular old human Mm. being. He sends Jesus, God himself, who comes and endures. And being a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered too. 
And so we don't have a God that does not understand, but we also don't have a God that's commanding us to do something wow. that he himself has not already done. So that's, it's power in that. Okay, you just said something so profound, right? What is it? Is it in Hebrews that it says that, that he learned obedience through suffering? What is it? Is it Hebrews? Um, I think. Some, something like, it's he early learned Hebrews obedience. Okay, there. that's huge. And I think there are a lot of people that gloss over that concept. Jackie, yeah, I'd love for you to kind of unpack that mm -hmm. a little bit more because a lot of people are like, wait a minute, he's, <laughs> I can't. it is like a, it's like a theological mind blow because this is God, right? The it son is. of God, God in the flesh. And he had to learn obedience. He had to become more holy. How do you become more holy than the son of God? Yeah. If I, if I had to, and I'm, I'm legit guessing here. <laughs> If I had to, to guess, I would think that it's speaking of the fact that the son was tested through his suffering, too. Yep. Right. And so in Luke four, we have the son uh, in the wilderness being tested by the evil one. We have him in the Garden of Gethsemane struggling with the fact that he's going to have to take on this cup and he doesn't want to. And so even though he was Jesus, it doesn't mean that he wasn't challenged to obey. It just means that he was always going to obey, wow. <laughs> you know? And so I'm assuming that's a part of it is that like even Christ, like he had some tests come yeah. against him through suffering, through temptation and all the things, but he overcame every time. And so now, man, we have more than enough power through the power of the spirit to do wow. the same. Wow. Do you think, to what degree does that like help us? I don't know, maybe, maybe different people are motivated by different things, but when I think about the idea of like, hey, this is a bit of a test, right? I, I typically think that on the other side of that test, there's some kind of reward. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not material reward, but maybe it's just, but there's something of substance on the other side of passing a test. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, that motivates me, or at least it helps me to mm -hmm. see my suffering from a different perspective. How about yourself? Yeah, I've been studying testing hmm. a lot because I've been reading um, Genesis 15 through 22 with hmm. Abraham and Isaac. And I think it motivates me because when I think about my life and I think about the test that I've passed, mm. that I think I've passed, I think about man, I am who I am and what I know about God and even the wisdom I'm able to offer is a product mm. of me passing a particular test, right? So I'm much more fruitful and that's a beautiful thing. And so I may not get all of these material blessings, but my soul is different. My heart is different. My mind is renewed. And I do think that on the other side of glory, yeah. there's a crown I'm gonna get where God says, well done. That's the ultimate, I think, reward for all of the tests that wow. God will cause us to endure is that God will wow. look at us and say, wow. good job. Well, along the lines of these tests, you know, I think tests are evident of the fact if, if that is a part of God's strategy for us in holiness is tests, which it seems to be mm. right. I mean, you look at the children of Israel, it says they were, they walked the wilderness, they wandered yeah. it for the testing of their faith. Okay. And it really all became, came down to an identity mm -hmm. thing, which I know we can talk for hours on that, but that means that there's that inherently within testing, there's a process. And I wonder if you can speak to that because, you know, you, mm. you, you share with, even within your story of you have all of these things in your past, these traumas, some of them, some of them were things that you were exposed to at an early age that you should have never been exposed to, you know, like the pornography. And it's like, oh man, like that's just such a tragedy, you know, that, that, that youthful of eyes are being exposed to that. And yet then it, you know, kind of spawns some of these other things, you know, this confusion and same sex attraction and all of that sort of deal. And so we all carry around trauma that some of it is stuff that was done to us. And some of it was stuff that we've done. And yet then in your story, you shared about how you were filled with the Holy spirit. And some people might be wondering, does that mean boom, all of a sudden you were healed, like of all of that stuff. And it, there was no struggle anymore mm -hmm. because we're talking about testing and process. Mm -hmm. What, tell me about, you know, what, what was that like for you? It's all a process, you know, cause, cause even now I'm still constantly overcoming what I did to myself and what was done to me, you know, like sexual abuse right. does something to your right. mind, you know, like it's, it, pornography does something mm. to your mind. Fatherlessness does something to your sense yeah. of security and safety when it comes to certain people and relationships. 
of betrayal, all those things. And so I'm always having to overcome something. Um, and so I, I think the problem isn't even necessarily the process. It's our patience with it. Because I get frustrated that I'm not more whole, right? Like, it's like, no, I, I don't want to have to keep praying about this. I don't want to have to keep talking to my therapist about this. I don't want to keep having to believe scripture about this particular thing. And there are some things that I think God does spontaneously heal us of. But from what I've seen, from my own personal experience, and from what I've observed in other people's lives, it is those things. It's that constant yeah, overcoming yeah. that is shaping us for the glory of God. And so, man, I, I think that's why the epistles and even the Old Testament is always calling us to endure things, mm. but also to remember. You just got to remember that God is faithful and that God is good yeah. and that he is going to keep you at the end of the day and that the work that he started and you, he will finish. And I know I can sound super like idealistic or optimistic yeah. about life, but That's I am because good. Christ rose from the dead and I have to be because if right. I don't, I'm hopeless. Right. And that's, well, not fun. you know, that's I mean, trauma of any nature causes us to have a skewed perspective on God, on this world, on ourselves. And it, it can cause us to view things that we experience through a lying lens. Right. And so what you're saying mm. right there is we have to constantly remind ourselves of the truth of who God is and therefore the truth of who we are, you know, and yeah. that's the only thing that's going to keep yeah. us anchored right? Who I am in Christ, who God is, despite what my circumstances may tell me about, you know, who he is or the construct that I've built him to mm -hmm. be, who is God? And, and that's, that's that remembrance that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. That's so, so good. You've, you've already listed out a few kind of, you know, just off the cuff, some tools that I mean, you said uh, talking to my therapist and stuff like that, but are there, are there some tools that you have kind of um, assembled in your tool belt? in terms of healing from the wounds that mm -hmm. have been inflicted upon you and even self-inflicting wounds? Therapy is huge because uh, therapy has made me self-aware. Mm. You know, it's made me aware of where I'm hurt and how I respond to yeah. it. Because uh, I've, I've, I've come to see that so many of my, so many of the things that I think are my personality are actually coping mechanisms that I've just taken a hold of and named mm. myself. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, oh, who would you be without that? <laughs> you know, and I, I remember imagining myself like if I was not afraid of anything, who would mm. I be? You know, and I saw myself as more courageous, mm. more loving, more kind, more patient. And so I think even envisioning yourself without the thing, without yeah. this like false self is really a way to like, yeah, okay, God, let it. me pray towards that end. And so therapy, prayer, and I like to do little, um, what do you call those? I don't know <laughs> what you call it, but like a couple of months ago, I, um, I was, one of my problems because of trauma is that I am not the most emotional person. Yeah which yeah. is a coping mechanism. I've just learned right. how to suppress emotions and just like, you know, get over it. Yeah. It's cool. Shake it off. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, man, the mm. Bible is full of emotions. And so what I did specifically was I went through the Psalms and I tried to pay attention to the emotional descriptions mm. of the psalmist and what he said about God wow. during it. Right. And so it's like, you got these cats, he's over hiding in a cave somewhere because Saul is chasing him and yep. he's afraid. Yep. Right. <laughs> That's fear. And he's embracing the fear, giving it to God. But what does he call God? Yeah. You're my strong tower. You're my refuge. You're my rock. And so instead of being in denial about how I feel, let me identify the feeling and name the name of God that I need to give this feeling <sighs> to. So and so I think those types of yes. practices can really um, help you to just, I don't know, yes. grow. No, that's, that's so good. That's a, you know, here's what I love that that literally is cognitive behavioral therapy, or at least what conventional therapy would tell you that, that it's overriding some mm. of these lies that you're telling yourself because of your trauma. Here's what I love about that. I love that because 
God created that, mm. right? Sure, these like psychologists and mm. behavioral therapists and stuff kind of, inv- they think they invented it at one point. It's like, no, 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 no. This has been written into who we are as human beings, mm. how we're going to interact mm. in this under, underneath the sin curse, and then the redemptive nature of who God is because of, you know, his son Jesus on the cross in the, in the empty tomb. It's like, here's the gospel, and you just labeled it cognitive behavioral therapy, but David was doing it yeah. in the Psalms a long time ago. Right. <laughs> Hello. Woo. Amen. You about to bring the Pentecostal out of It is so cool. It is so cool. Um, so <laughs> it, here's something. If we're sitting, okay, if my wife now, she, part of her story is um, uh, a, a, an abusive father. And um, and this is not, you know, before we went on air, I know I was telling you about her stepdad who, you know, is a chaplain. And so she, she has an incredible stepdad and he's the one that was um, – ministering to the, to the men that, that killed my wife, uh, f- for a season there in the prison. Um, but her father, her real father, uh, emotionally abusive, left the family at 19 years old. She hasn't seen him since she was 19. And so she's had to work through a whole lot in that same vein of just like abandonment issues from a father, which is a big wounding. I mean, it's a huge wounding, especially when you think about how, our earthly father should, even though no earthly father is perfect, our earthly father should give us a picture of our heavenly father, right? It shouldn't, uh, yeah. it shouldn't be that <laughs> big of a point. stretch for <laughs> us. And yet I think that's why the enemy is attacking earthly fathers or fatherhood in general. She would probably sit here and she would probably go, if maybe if we were off air, you're sitting in our living room, she'd go, Jackie, do you think I'm ever going to get over this? Like, do you think is this is this everything anything I'm ever gonna like hmm. am I ever gonna be able to see through a different lens now? Um, so I'm almost asking this on behalf, hmm. on behalf of her, but I'm also asking on behalf of so many people who are listening to this with father wounds. That's big. I mean, I think a part of me, there's the skeptic side of me, which is where human trauma is a thing that lasts and continues. We have brains that always bring to our mind things that have happened. We also have an enemy, a real one, who does not want us to be whole, does not want us to heal. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and you have triggers even. Like I remember going to a a wedding and uh, the bride was dancing with her dad. One, he's there. Two, she's happy he's there. He looks like, it, it, it was just like, oh, wow, I never experienced that. They never will, you know? And so I think all of those make me really skeptical about the reality of being fully healed on this side of eternity. And so I choose Mm. to define healing differently rather than defining healing as would I, can I not experience the feelings of hurt and pain? I I choose to think of healings. Can I live a life of joy and forgiveness in spite of the pain. I think when you frame healing that way, then it's more than possible. (laughs) You know, it's more than possible to still love your dad, even though he's hurt you. It's still possible to still have joy um, and peace and contentment in the life that God has allowed you to live. Uh, I think when you think of it that way, yeah, you can. That's so it good. is deep. That's that's <laughs> deep, Jackie. Like, no, it really is. I mean, and and we talk about all the time how we have to live in the tension of realities. We can't. It's not usually either or. You know, it's mm-hmm. a both and. It's like I'm hurting and yeah. I can walk in hope. Right? It's not a. Yeah. And, once and I, I stop and I, hurting, I, then I'm I can able walk to say that. Hope. I'm sorry for cutting you off. My apologies. Because I forgot to share that my no, father it's all right. Go died. Ahead. Please do. And so I think his death, he died when I was 19. Mm. I think his death has just caused me to always think about stuff in a different way because I can't have a conversation. I can't say, hey, you hurt me. (laughs) Nor can I, will I ever, a part of the frustration with his death was, is that I always had the hope that we would have a relationship, that things would change. So when he died, that hope died too. It's like, oh, where we were as a strange father and daughter where you pop in, pop out, pop in, pop out of my life, 
that will always be the last thing we had, which is the inconsistent abandonment type of situation. And so I don't know. It just forced me to say, A, like, I'm always going to be hurting in some way or another, but I have to choose to not let the hurt uh, color how I move forward in my life. Let me ask you this. I, and this may be a, just, it may be more personal than what you're willing to share. And just to the degree that you're willing to share it, you know, I know the two kind of, t- kind of big issues that you brought up in your story that make me really curious about this is, um, you know, one uh, gender confusion and, and, and same sex attraction, but then two also sexual abuse, which oftentimes those are very much accompanied, you know, that one kind of can oftentimes breed the other. Um, and yet right now, you know, you're, you're married. Um, Preston, right. Is his name? Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. Preston Perry. Yeah. I'm, cr- I'm curious as to how, how, um, obviously the Lord is the one that heals us, but how important has that relationship, your relationship with him been in your healing process? Great question. And to the, the to the degree that you feel yeah, comfortable sharing, I, I, you know what I, I mean? Feel like I've talked I, about I just, it. It just, I can't, I know because I, I mean, yeah. that's huge. No, that's huge. Well, the funny thing is that God started to use Preston to heal me before we were in a relationship Um, because my perspective Mm. on men was shaped by uh, mainly three things. My father, my friends, and pornography, music, movies, because all of them low-key the same. And so, <laughs> like, when you look at all three of those, yeah, it was yeah. like, okay, my dad <laughs> said he loved me, but he was never around, right? And so it means, like, men speak words that they don't actually believe. Uh, my friends, they were cool, but they all secretly either wanted to sleep with me or were dogging out their girlfriends and telling me all about it. So it's like, oh, okay, all y'all want is sex. And then you got pornography where it's like, all a, a, a woman's body is only supposed to be used for a man's enjoyment. So all three of these things completely shaped how I viewed and understood men. So when I got in a, uh, a friendship with Preston, right. um, all of my expectations of how men were supposed to be, he was never that. And it was shocking, you know, to have somebody mm. who just wants to <laughs> talk to you and be friends with you without there being some other thing to see a man who had integrity. Uh, I've shared this publicly, so it's nothing new. Uh, When we were friends, he ended up falling into sexual sin with this girl that he was talking to. And he called me on the phone and he was, he told me about it crying and weeping because he had sinned against God in this way. And I was like, first of all, why are you telling me? Like, I don't, I'm not the Lord. You know, he was like, you're my friend. And I just wanted you to know that this is what happened. And I need you to pray for me. And I was just like, this dude is really sad (laughs) about this. So all of that started to renew my mind about men. So when we got into a relationship, there's obviously been some difficulty and some, 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 some challenges when it comes to our sexual past. But I think his continual patience towards me and care of me um, has really done wonders, which is a part of, I think, what it means to be human is that God uses people to do his work. And he's used Preston yeah. a lot. Yeah. 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 It's so good. I, I really do believe strongly that part of like the, I don't want to say final touches of our healing because we've already touched on the fact that we don't, we're, 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 we become, we can become whole people uh-huh. on the side of it, but we're like still in process of becoming whole people. Right. So there's this like already not yet kind of reality that we live in, but I do believe that there is a certain extent of the, the, the healing process that almost, it almost requires because it's, if you've been hurt by a human being, it almost requires that yeah. God uses a human Ooh, being to heal that and mend crazy, that. Crazy. Right. You Cause know? we, we just want, we want a miracle. Yeah. Like we want yeah. zing, like some type right. of like Holy spirit lightning bolt. to come down and remove all the but it's like no he's he's most likely going to use a a person because he always has yeah yeah that's right that's right which could also really help us to understand that that every one of us have the potential Mm. of sitting on the other side of someone else's healing yes right 
Like we, like even if we, even though we're hurt, everybody listening to this yeah. podcast has endured some kind of hurt. Hurt people yeah. don't have to hurt people, and you hurt can, people can heal people. I've had conversations with people who they believe that they can't be hurting and be useful at the same time. Like I have to, I have to heal. I have to get over this mm -hmm. before I can help somebody. And it's like, no, right. no, you're you're useful now. Yeah. Like we we need your voice now. We need your words now. Yes. We need last night's prayer now. Yes. We need your crying last week now. So it's 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 like that's also right. a part of the thing is that God is so faithful that even when we're broken, usually is when yeah. we bear the most fruit. Because you're so needy. <laughs> you're so dependent on somebody right. higher and more transcendent right. than yourself. It's so true. That's so true. I mean, you look at Jesus when he performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000. What was he doing? He was getting away to grieve the death oh, of John the Baptist. Of Lazarus. Well, this one was of John the Baptist. Of John the Baptist. Right. Oh, Isn't that crazy? I never picked that up. And, the, and it says the crowds followed him. And it's like, he could have wow. been like, no, guys, I'm trying to, I'm trying to heal. I'm trying to grieve, but it doesn't. It says he took compassion on them, right? Which goes back to the beginning of the wow. conversation, right? When you, are, when you let God in on your pain, it, it produces compassion for other people in pain. And then it, then it, That's good. it bears fruit that is way more than what you could, right? Because it's now, yeah. like you said, you're dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's Ooh. good. I never saw that. Okay, let me ask you this, because you talk quite a bit about idols. You know, you referenced it earlier uh, in this conversation, mm -hmm. and it, it is, we don't talk a lot about idols, right? And I mean, sometimes, but it's mm -hmm. not really like a conversation that happens a whole lot. I think sometimes you'll hear it in church circles and stuff, but the, the, the reality is, is that we, we create idols, not the same way that they did back in, you know, the Old Testament, the Bible and stuff like right. that. But um, yeah. There are idols that we can use in suffering and there are idols that we can create that lead to suffering. Okay. Um, you talk about the connection between the two quite a bit, right? Mm. As you're, it, it seems to be something that you, you, you enjoy talking. I want you to help me understand. <laughs> I enjoy talking about us, idolatry. Well, help us understand this concept of idolatry in present tense. Yeah. So, I mean, Old Testament idolatry, uh, you know, Baal is probably the most popular one. Uh, the golden calf, uh, where they were like these tangible structures built, usually uh, representing some type of animal um, that they would worship and sacrifice to and, you know, give food and fruit to as a, as a means of honoring the deity and all those things. And I, I think we are prone to think that we have somehow um, graduated into an I like a no idolatry or whatever because we're not building statues. Uh, but Paul even says that covetousness is is idolatry, mm. meaning you know you want some somebody got you just constructed your own idol. It's just in your heart. And so idolatry is simply trusting something other than God to be God to you. Wow. And so when you when you see it that way, you realize that idolatry can be anything. It could be food. It could be ministry. It could be money. It could be marriage. It could be children. It could be sexuality. It can be gender. It could be your face. It could be mm. your thoughts, your communication gifts. Anything can be an idol. But I think the the most interesting thing about idolatry to me is that everything I named is good mm. <laughs> and everything I named is a gift. Wow. But we've made this good gift, God. And wow. so we have to, I think, get back to a point where we interrogate what it is about this idol that I'm trusting and then study the character of God so that you can place your faith back on him. So mm. if I'm trusting an idol, uh, let's say it's my job, I, I, I idolize my job because of the provision. I don't want to worry. I don't want to be broke. I don't I don't yeah. want to I don't want to be needy for anything. Right. Then I need to be reminded that, no, God is my provider mm. that he that, you know, uh, even the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap. But God takes care of them. How much more will he take care of you that, that yeah. you have no need, no need to worry? And so that's that's the interplay with idolatry. But I, I'll add this and I'll stop talking is that when you mentioned that uh, there are idols that 
create suffering or come out of suffering, which is mm. a beautiful way to put it. That's so true <laughs> because mm. when you're going through, the one thing you want is to be comforted. You yeah. just want to be right. comforted. And the temptation to choose an idol to comfort you is because it's convenient. Hmm. So when in Exodus 19, I might be off, but when uh, Israel left Egypt and yep. Moses went up to Mount Sinai to the get the cow. tablets from Jesus or God, well, Jesus too, but you yeah. know, God yeah, or whatever. Know, interchangeable. <laughs> the reason why they started to construct the tablet is that they wanted to move forward. They wanted to keep going and mm. they did not know where Moses was. And so what happened is they built an idol out of their own impatience. <sighs> and so it's hard to wait on God to comfort you. It's hard to wait on God to make sure that your light bill going to be on. Wow. It's hard to wait on God to say, hey, I, I really want to have sex, Lord. L let me on here have sex with this. Like, it's hard. And wow. so really, our problem is that we're just not patient people. <sighs> and that's why we're, you know, in the situations we're in. Wow. That is, man, it it really does boil down to that, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. That. We, we tend, and, and I wonder if it goes back to those tests too, to be honest with you, Jackie, when I'm thinking oh, yeah. about it, it's like, I think about the fact that it seems like God is like the 11th hour kind of rescuer. It's like, he always comes through <laughs> in the nick of time. It's uh -huh. never like, it's never on our time. And, you know, look at Jesus, right? It literally says in the 11th hour that he came out onto the sea and walked onto the sea to calm the storm. Yeah. And it's always in that like bleakest moment. And I wonder if that is part of the testing it is. too. Right. That it's like God's going, I, I mean, I, I could go, go down there and I could rescue them in this moment. I'm just going to see what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. I'm going to see if they're going to resort to something else for their comfort, for their dependence and see if they're, if are there, or is their identity rooted in me as a son or a daughter trusting that I will come through. Yeah, I think it, it's mm. it's so many narratives in the Bible that point to that. Another one is is Lazarus, you know, like God chose mm. to stay back two days and let Lazarus <laughs> die. You know, he could have healed him. He could have healed him where he was, but he told the disciples this right. would be good for you. Wow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so it's like wow. when he shows up on the scene, one of the sisters is like, where was you at? Like you could have been here. And it's like, yeah. okay, now you're going to see that I really am the resurrection. You know what I'm saying? And so I, 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 and that's hard. It's hard, but that's a part of the whole thing about being a Christian is that we have to trust what God has revealed about himself and that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. So do not believe the devil when he tells you or offers you another alternative to cope because it won't help wow. ultimately. Wow. You know, it, it, it might, it might so satisfy good. you for a second, but it will not sustain you. And that's the difference. Mm. Mm. That's awesome. Jackie, this conversation has been rich. This has been so good. It's been fire. You oh, asked some good goodness. questions, sir. My goodness. Can you, okay. So the last thing I would just say would you know, if someone's, if someone's wrestling with this right now and, and because of their suffering, because of the pain that they're walking through, they're really wrestling with a lot of doubt, mm. you know, a lot of just questions for God about God, questioning whether they believe in God or not. That's just, they're, they're in it and they're reaching out right. They're going, man, I'm just going to give this one thing, maybe one last shot. I'll listen to this one podcast episode. Jackie Hill Perry happens to be on here and she happens to say what as an encouragement to this person. Ah. Uh. What came to my mind was mustard seed faith is still faith. Mm. So I have a friend now who is going through grief with losing someone extremely close to her um, while also having a very difficult marriage. Um, and one thing that she has shown me is that you don't have to do a lot like you don't have to do a lot to be faithful. Mm. And so one thing she's, she's fighting for her life really, you know, but yeah. it's like one prayer, like, God, I need you. One song that she listens to one verse that she thinks about one conversation that she has with me where she can be honest and be heard and be listened to. And so that's what I would say is mm. like in your struggle, in your doubt, feel those feelings, mm. feel them. 
that's a part of the thing. That's a part of the process. Feel them and embrace them. And the little faith you have is okay. Wow. Mustard seed faith is still faith. Yeah. So good. That's so good. Jackie, thank you so much. This is just, this has been great. We need to have coffee one day. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, we have friends in Atlanta. We have some very good friends in Atlanta. So we'll, okay. I will have to let you know when we're, we're down there sometime. And yeah. that would be, that would be so fun to just sit around and, and talk about this kind of stuff with you. No, Great. for sure. Um, where can we follow what's going on in your life? Where can we uh, connect more with you? I am most active on Instagram because people aren't as crazy. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> but I'm also on Twitter. I pop in and out because Twitter gives me anxiety. But yeah, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, even Apple Music, all those things at Jackie Hill Perry. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure we put those in the show notes. And um, again, thanks for spending some time with us and ministering to our community. Thank you. It was fun. Well, I Oof. loved that wow. conversation, Davey. Yeah. That woman is like, I could just listen yeah. to her all day. I know. I know. There's a, you can tell, I mean, you can tell she's a she's a hip hop recording artist too, in the totally. sense of like, there's just a rhythm and a, you know, I mean, yeah. you're like, wow, this yeah, absolutely. Just melody to the ears. You know what I mean? It just feels absolutely resonant with your spirit to just listen to her. So good. I appreciate too. Like, I mean, I know we don't need to sit here and like commentate on Jackie Hill Perry, but I appreciate <laughs> too that like she, um, she comes across as very fierce in a cool way like i i don't i don't know how to explain it like she's speaking like hard truth that sometimes can get packaged especially for women in like this sweet little saccharine bow and it's kind of sugary and there's like no pretense with her she's like nope this is who i am this is right and wrong i've worked hard at this there's been pain and there's been suffering i'm not saying it's been easy but like i i'm choosing holiness and obedience to Jesus above all other things. And she just doesn't like mess around. I appreciate that so much. No holds bar, which is, which is awesome. And I, and I love that, that concept, you know, it's one of the things that, um, that she really discusses a lot of the society of choosing holiness over your own desire. Yeah. And, you know, I think if we were to kind of pull back and think about it for every one of us, no matter if we are wrestling through with same sex attraction or whatever it is, every one of us, every one of us has, at least one major vice, one major like <laughs> yes. perpetuating sin that happens that, you know, we, we're constantly battling. We're constantly in, you know, there's this temptation, this allure of that in front of us over and over and over. Yeah. And, and every one of us has to wrestle with that same battle yeah. of going, okay, wh- how do I choose holiness over my desire here? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think one, first of all, for far too long, the church has been extremely judgmental with this same-sex attraction. Absolutely, issue. we have done this so terribly. It's been ter- it's become it has been elevated as like the preeminent sexual sin, and it's like totally. why, why are we doing that? Yeah. So what this should do, the reality of this, that we all have these things that we are wrestling through, that we're mm-hmm. constantly having to choose Jesus over our desire. Mm, so it should give baby. us empathy yes. for other people's yes struggles or the things that they're wrestling through as well. And, um, and recognizing that we all have very much root sin issues that have to get rooted, that have to get dug out of us, that have to be combated regularly on a daily minute by minute, sometimes basis. Right. And one of the things about that too, and David, you you say this, so I think I'm like saying something that I actually have heard from you, but uh, you know, every time we're sort of up against that thing, like the Lord is really about transforming our identity because it's so tempting to put your identity in your desires. It's so, and you don't even realize you're doing it, right? Right. It's so tempting to make that created thing, the thing that you're worshiping. And so the whole time we're like, when God is calling us to holiness and Christ likeness, it's not this like, you are going to, you better not screw up. It's like, let me invite you to put your identity in me. It's exactly right. I am the only one who can meet those desires. I'm the only one who can transform you. I'm the only one who can, who can shape you and put those things back in their proper place. So you know, God, of course, is angry at sin, but there's also a kindness and a freedom yeah. in the invitation to really die to the things that we shouldn't be living. That's to. right. Yeah. And that's why, you know, even right now, there's so much of the the the, the conversation of gender identity and stuff. And, and so there's mm-hmm. this temptation to put a label around, you know, where you identify. Yeah. Right. Especially with the younger generation, you hear this yeah. over and over and over. And, and the reality is, is, the Lord's inviting us to become sons and daughters of, of him. 
Amen. That's that's our identity, right? And Amen. so, yeah. you know, that same struggle that someone's going to have in like finding their identity in in maybe a um you know a gender, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, the way what they identify as as far as their gender. Yeah, I'm going to have the same struggle in some other area to put my totally. identity in something else. Totally. Right? Um, and and it's it's not any better. Right. It's not leading right. to any more life. It's right. it the only way that there is life is when we find our rooted identity in Jesus that's and who name. we are as sons and daughters of God. Good. Yeah, that's good. So yeah, what I'm just I'm so appreciative of of Jackie Hill Perry and again, I wish I could just call her Jackie, you know. <laughs> J H P JP. Yeah, you know. <laughs> like but yeah, I mean, so appreciative of, of the, again, like you said, she is a, a voice for a time such as this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and the Lord has given her a mantle um, to be able to share just this this hope and this encouragement and to do it in such a way that's going to wake us up. Yeah. Bit. You know, I think yeah. it's really good. I appreciate too that in kind of in light of who we are and nothing is wasted, that I think ultimately she is about like healing from pain that people have been through and healing from where we've been foolish and where we've been wrong. And I I know a lot of her work is really driving us just back to the heart of God and to the word of God. And similarly, that's part of what we're doing here at Nothing Is Wasted through the community platform, the new community platform that we've launched and the community platform plus that we've launched. Like a lot of this is about um, partnering with God in relationship with other people, right. but also in like living a life that looks a little bit more like him as we, he heals right. us. Right. right. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So we want to encourage you to, to check that out, especially if you're finding yourself going, are there other people out there that are struggling through the same thing that I'm struggling through? Mm. You know, are, are there other people who have, um, who are struggling with, you know, gender identity issues, or are there other people who are struggling with, you know, sexual uh, abuse? Yeah. Um, are there other people who are struggling with, abortion and the regret that I'm, that I'm feeling because I had an abortion. The other people who are struggling with child loss, other people struggling mm-hmm. through this, you know, the, the aftermath yeah. of divorce, listen, all of these things and more are up there on that community platform. There are people in all of these different walks of life who are, um, who, who are just trying to journey with each other to try to, to find hope and healing that Christ offers. And so we want to provide that space for you. That's why we created the, the platform mm-hmm. And so we want to invite you to, to go check that out. Nothingiswasted.com slash community. You can also find any other of uh, our resources that we provide. You know, maybe you want to get connected with a certified coach or go through the pain to purpose course. Yeah. All of those things are at nothingiswasted.com. And uh, maybe you want to subscribe to our email list. So you stay up to date on all kinds of, you know, the different things that we're continually producing and putting out there to help you as you're partnering with God, take back your story. We also want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all of the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can always find his music wherever it is you find his music. I'm waiting for some of his new music to come out, by hey, the way. I'm like, I'm like ready for I it. I know, right? Seriously. He's been yep. releasing things in singles. These are all these recording artists are releasing them in singles. I'm like, I don't know Give if I like album. that better or if I, right. w- if I want to like feel the whole album. Yeah. You know I, want I, mean? the whole, I want the it's, whole story. Things have shifted a little bit in the music industry yeah, in that way. Yeah. I'm maybe, like, maybe we're too old school. We got to start, we got to start embracing the so. single, we'll just but we love singles. sleeping at last <laughs> and thank him for all he's doing for nothing is wasted. We also want to invite you to engage with us on Instagram. Yeah. We are at nothing is wasted ministries at Davy Blackburn and at Ob Samp. Next week, we are joined by a really powerful, powerful woman, Clarissa Mall. She's going to share her story of, pain and heartache. And so let's go ahead and take a listen to part of Davy's conversation with Clarissa. Well, Rob's uh, capstone event for our trip, if you will, was to be a long ridgeline hike in Mount Rainier National Park. He was an avid hiker. He was a backcountry hiker. He knew what he was doing. And um, and it always thrilled me to give him a chance to be able to do this thing he loved. You know, he worked really hard at his day job. And he was a guy whose weekends were filled with Little League games and 4-H competitions. And for him to have a whole day just to celebrate being in God's creation just felt like a real gift to be able to offer him. Uh, the morning of July 19th, he set out from our camper at uh, 6.30 a.m. to meet his hiking partner for a day hiking in the backcountry. 
And I was really excited for him. I remember lying in the darkness in our camper and just telling him to have fun. I mean, that was, you know, it was don't wake up the kids, close the door quietly before you leave and have fun. And, you know, that was the last I ever spoke to him again.